Hello, you are listening to the Competing Biblically podcast. On this week's episode, Nick, Zach, and I discuss the idol of control and how it plays out in our personal and athletic lives, as well as the lifestyle that God has called us to live rather than trying to control the circumstances around us. You don't want to miss this week's episode. Some great stories, some great scripture, and some great discussion. So let's hop in. So here we are, uh, Nick, Zach, and I back talking about control today, something I know that I can relate to, and I think all of us can relate to. So how are you guys doing? How's the week been? My week has um, <laughs> has been one where I have not had control. Uh, my little girl was sick uh, with a non-COVID-related sickness, just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, but... So which led to many long nights of not having any sleep. But with all that being said, I got to sleep a few hours last night. So I am fired up to be here with you guys. I had a little bit better week, uh, a little praise. We uh, at Wilmington University, our season was canceled and then it got reinstated. And then we had our start date delayed two or three times until it was indefinite and they were going to. Uh, look at COVID cases, look at what the school looks like, what other universities look like really to decide. And me and Nick and Seth hopped on a call Thursday, just talking about recording these episodes. And we just prayed um, right at the end or right at the beginning, I can't really remember, just for God to open up the university and let us practice, let other teams practice and really just get us back out in the field. And then that night, we got a text from our head coach that we had practice starting Friday. So I've been practicing for about, I think, six days now. So uh, really excited about being on the field. Uh, really happy to be back in here with you guys as well. Wilm, you? How about that? You pray and things happen. Amen. We serve a great God. So we're, we're going into this episode. We're talking about control. Next episode, we're going to talk about comfort. And these are... We're still going through the four root idols, and we're relating those things to winning and athletic competition. And those first two were power and approval. Uh, those two were kind of similar in the sense that we try and use athletics to attain those things. Yeah. Um, they are more results-oriented things, success-oriented things. Control and comfort are more process distractions. Is mm-hmm. that the right way? I don't know how you would describe it, Nick. But Yeah, distractions are motivation killers. Yeah where the other things like help motivate us in the wrong way, Mm -hmm. these can detract from our motivation, like kind of almost like a kid who doesn't get his way. Mm -hmm. And I have one of those (laughs) as well. Uh, But yeah, kind of like a kid when they doesn't don't get their way, you just kind of shut down that flight or fight, fight, fight or flight definitely happens in the process and dealing with comfort and control. Yeah. And we do that all the time. And the reality is that, as little as we like to admit it, we don't have control and choosing to control our own lives. When you're a coach trying, choosing to try and control your team rather than lead your team. If you're an athlete trying to control others will ultimately lead to frustration and death. And the same is true in our life. So our goal is that 
Rather, we need to go from control to trust and trust in who, trust in what. That's Christ um, because he has proven that he is trustworthy. He is our creator. He knows what is best. And we are better off to trust him and give him the reins and to control that ourselves. Amen. So that is, that's where we're heading today. I want to start off this episode with a quote. And it's something we found as we were talking and researching for this episode. And it's by Paul Tripp. And it really sets the tone for this episode. And it says this, I'm increasingly persuaded that there are only two ways of living. The first, trusting God and living in submission to his will and his rule. Or the second, trying to be God. There's little in between. As sinners, we seem to be better at the latter than we are the former. Um, so I think that just sets that there's only two ways to do this. You can do it your way or God's way. And there's really not a lot in between. Yeah. So when I was reading and praying about that quote, when he, when Paul Tripp says there that he's persuaded there's two ways of living, I immediately put in c- compete. There's two ways to compete or there's two ways of competing. Trusting and obeying God, trusting and submitting to God, or being God. Mm-hmm. Matt Chandler talks a lot. I've heard in many sermons, like, I make a crappy God, you make a crappy God, so it's better to serve the Lord. To put like this in our language of competing biblically, so, or the language that we've been using, that statement can kind of be summed up in, in two in two ways. One, Jesus saying, not my will, but yours be done. Like That's the art of the Christian co- competitor is that we would get to a place where we look at the Lord and say, God, I want this, not my will, but yours be done. I want what you want more than I want what I want. Um, And you see that also lived out, John the Baptist uh, talking about his ministry, that he must decrease so that Christ may increase. And I think when we're able to say those two things uh, with a whole heart, clear mind, strong will, and a great passion, that's when we're able to live out the by mm-hmm. or the the for the for God's glory. Mm-hmm. That's when God gets the most glory is when we're able to say, you know what, not my will, but yours be done. No, I'm happy to take a back seat that Christ and others would be promoted. So yeah, that that is really great there. Trusting and submitting also makes me think of a, a scripture that we've talked about getting ready for this episode in Matthew. So Zach, you want to go ahead and read that verse from Matthew seven thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, so in Matthew 7, uh, 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Yeah, there's another, that's kind of stated another way in the Proverbs. Proverbs fourteen twelve says there's a way that seems right to man, but at its end leads to death. Like these are two really big claims. Like, this is what I tell my son. So this is how I just a little peek into my parenting, which is more than flawed. Everything that I'm about to say, please take in the spirit of Philippians three, like not that I have arrived. <laughs> I man come out of a week with no sleep. I, I said some crazy things. My attitude was all over the place. Like I am broken. Uh, and I agree with what I said earlier. I make a crappy God when I want to be in control. But one thing that I took from mentors is when I parent Caleb is my son knows, Caleb, what's your job? And you guys have heard me say this to him. And he responds with, to trust and obey. Mm-hmm. And what's daddy's job? My daddy's job is to provide, protect, and to love me. 
So that's kind of what we rehearse. So when we're dealing with the Lord in this way, because it's one, it's a, it's a lot to say, not my will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. Like I am going to trust your will and I'm going to submit to your will, even in the world of sport where I really want to win. Mm-hmm. Like I want to win. I want to be great. I want all these things, all the things we talked to leading up to this point and to let go of the control of that and say, I'm still going to compete with a whole heart, clear mind, strong will, great passion. I'm still going to do those things and we're going to unpack those in episodes to come. Um, but to submit to that and to trust that God is good. Um, how do we do that? And two scriptures we talked about, uh, that I think are really helpful are in Colossians 1, uh, 16 and 17 and Ephesians 2.10. Uh, I'll, I'll do Ephesians 2.10. Zach, do you want to look up Colossians 1 really quick? Um, because there's just a lot of depth in there from verses 16 to 18. But Ephesians 2.10 says that we are created, uh, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we would walk in them. So we are his workmanship, we are his creation, created in him for good works that we would walk in those. So as we move from controlling to trusting, we were knit together. Jeremiah would use that terminology, knit together. We're created, we're his workmanship with care, um, put together for good works. And those might look different than what our will would be. Mm -hmm. So I think having an open mind there and... Um, open heart to the Lord is huge. Yeah. And in my own walk, I feel like it's come to the point. It's it's a humility that you need because there are, we go like my wife and I've been talking to some people about um, we're getting started about finances and we listen to people share things, people that know more about money than we do. And some of us take bits and pieces of what people say and we like, but whatever we don't like, we'll do our own way. Guilty. And we do this in our walk with, with the Lord as well. Um, so many times. I mean, look at how the mm. church is so splintered. It's because there's part of that is honestly seeing the Bible differently. But part of it is also people want to take what they want out of Scripture and out of who Christ is. But when their way disagrees or rubs up against what God has said— they're going to choose their own um, their own way, which when you begin following that, it's you, your God starts to look a lot more like you than you start to look like God. But um, so going back to the whole financial piece, these people, we they know more than we do. So if we really want to reap the benefit, we need to trust even the things that are difficult or we're unsure about. It's it's a matter of trust, and that comes from humility of knowing that you don't know as much as this other person. And it's the same way in our walk with God. When we talk about God created us, um, we are not just God created us. We are God's handiwork. He designed us, and he knows more about us than we do and what we need. And it's not until we reach that mm-hmm. point that we can give up our will and trust him to lead and to guide us. So... Yeah, and Colossians 1 uh, really just repeats and emphasizes that idea. And it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. 
Yeah, another way to say that I've heard, um, I think John Piper was quoting somebody else, but anyway, this that there's not one square inch of the universe in which Jesus does not rightfully and passionately declare that this is mine hmm. in complete love and care over it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just, that's so helpful. So yeah, created for him and by him and through him. Uh, that he would be preeminent. So another way, like that word preeminent is not one that we use often. Another way to say that would be that he would be first place, that he would, um, and not just first place with things that are close second, first place in its own category, like we talked mm-hmm. about with holiness, and then other things in first place in that it is the hub of a wheel from which everything else flows. So, yeah, that's super that's super helpful and comforting because he is those, again, those are big claims to do this, but why? Mm-hmm. Well, because he made us and you said he knows us. He loves us. He's proven his character. He's proven that his promises are true. Like even like something silly, like a lacrosse season. We prayed earnestly asking God, God, we want, these guys to play. I want Zach and Noah to be able to play. I want them to be able to share with their teammate. I want them to be able to put this structure in place and go and do it. And God proved his promises are true. Like ask, mm-hmm. seek, knock. And mm-hmm. he's proven time and time again that he's faithful Yep. and he's just to do all the things that he's, he's going to do. And he allows us to be a part of it. So I can joyfully submit to that. Mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of it often, but I can joyfully submit to that. Yeah. And I've experienced this in like multiple aspects of my life. And I can think of even not this past summer, but the summer before that, when I was interning uh, with you, uh, we got to go spend a week at Custown University and incredible week, uh, large camp, a lot of kids. Uh, Obviously, this was pre-COVID. So we got to spend the week uh, at this university where kids are learning sports uh, and then also get to learn about the gospel and how this, I mean, this framework plays into their lives as athletes. And so one of the things that happened to me this week was I thought that I had the ability to teach and train these kids. And so me and my partner, Victor, were put in charge of 10, I think 12 kids. And the week just went terribly. I spent the week like trying, trying to pour like my own knowledge, trying to pour my own wisdom uh, and my own experiences into these kids' lives. And there was just nothing. There was no reaction, no absorption, no interaction, just really nothing. They, they didn't care about what was being said in the message or what I was, what I was saying at all. And I like increasingly grew frustrated throughout the week. We were, we were up for long hours. Uh, we were spending, I think we did, me and Noah did the math the other day. We were spending 16 hours a day, just in charge of kids awake, staying up late at night, making sure kids weren't running around. Uh, and like it really drained on my patience. And so like I had such a hard time in the, like those waning days of the week that like these kids weren't listening. God, like why, like, why don't these kids care? Why don't these kids care? And I, it came to a point in the week where, where I was just broken. I was just like, God, like I can't do anything. What do you want me to do? Like I've done everything that I could. And so that was it. Like that, that was the point he had for me is you can't do anything. And so as soon as I realized that that night, I was like, God, I can't do anything. 
I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let Victor talk and I'm going to let mm -hmm. other people talk. And four other people that I knew in the camp came over just to our group to speak to these guys without anyone asking them. And they all impacted each one of these guys. Mm -hmm. So each one of these guys, after every one of these people were talking, were asking questions, were involved, were talking about message, messages and points that they heard earlier in the week. Mm. And just like, really, God really just opened up my eyes and that like, I'm not in control of these kids. I'm not yeah. in charge or even like responsible for mm. changing these kids' hearts. I, I'm responsible for sharing that. Mm. And that's all I can be responsible for. And so really it's just like this incredible picture of like God telling me, hey, you can't do anything on mm -hmm. your own. I have to do it and you have to let me do it through you. Yeah, um, It's nothing that you can do on your own. Amen. Hearing you share that, Zach, just the whole idea of control. I want to go back to 2016. My brother, and he listens to the podcast, so Trevor, I'm giving you a shout out. But, Trevor. Um, he... His liver was failing and he had been in the hospital for three months and every day his health got worse and worse and worse and he's fighting for his life and there's nothing, there was no control. And as my brother, I mean, I think we all have known people who are sick, um, maybe even terminally sick and the worst feeling is that there's nothing you can do about it. And I can't imagine that as like, I went through that as his brother. I couldn't imagine going through that as like one of my parents, like with your child I don't know, Nick, you guys went through a little bit with Sojourn where you just don't have much control. Um, but every day he's getting, and it gets to the point where he's not talking, he's not moving. And, you know, you fight to try and be positive and have faith. And the point, he got to the point, he had been in hospital for three months. And he sh when he shared his testimony with me and with others, he always gets to the point where he's sitting there and he finally says, like, God, I... I don't know what's going to happen and I'm okay with it. Like whatever happens, happens, but I need your help. And in, even in the end of even fighting for his life, that is the moment where he gave up that control, even over his own life, like the livelihood that he had. And then the next day, for the first time in months, his numbers got a little better. And the next day, a little better. Mm. And then fast forward six, seven months and he's completely healed without... A medically impossible healing without a transplant. Glory. And when did that happen? I mean, God saved his life mm. when he gave it up. And I just think that when we give up that control, that's when we can watch God move. Yeah. yeah those were some of the sweetest prayers. And I hope I, <laughs> I hope I can hold it together through this. Um, but man, those are some of the sweetest times of prayer in the Lord is so sojourn was seven months at the time, and I just remember laying with my head on the hospital bed next to her and just releasing her to the Lord. Like, mm -hmm. God, she's your daughter. You love her more than I do. Mm -hmm. Do you care for her more than I do? You're a better father than I am. You're far more good than I am. And God, I don't have control, but I know you do. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask that you spare her and you heal her, but God, she's yours. And just remember an overwhelming sense of peace and worship of like <laughs> just his fatherly arm around me. Like, yeah, you know what? Amen. And like, that's, that's what we walked, Lindsay and I walk away with now living life 
post our daughter being healed by the Lord and doctors, which are under the Lord's control, the doctors are. It's a, I think it's a part of common common grace as well that God has given us medical advancement. But anyway, but yeah, living in that fact that like this life isn't our own. These mm-hmm. things that like my children are God's children. My wife is uh, God's daughter. This house is God's house. And uh, just giving up the control of the things that we have, I think, is is so freeing. So to bring it to the sports world, <laughs> I know that we've talked about this and each of us have our own our own stories, but I think I live in the football world. Control is something in the football world that is a premium. It's mm-hmm. like one of the only sports where your team literally huddles up after every play and you can tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like we feel as coaches in the in football that we have control over those circumstances and as football players like it's kind of I don't know I wrongly said this a lot so I'm confessing this publicly even as a chaplain for a college football team I've said this like Uh-oh. telling guys impose your will mm-hmm. your job is to dominate your opponent and now as we're going back through this competing biblically framework I'm like oh Yep, I coached them wrong. I was wrong in that. It's not about that at all. It, it is about competing with a whole heart, clear mind, strong will, great passion, valuing process over productivity, mm-hmm. and competing to be and competing against my best self, competing to close that gap between potential and performance. Mm-hmm. of what my potential ability is and what I'm actually doing. And I think of a, a football a football story that is my college football coach used to sit us down for 45 minutes after every practice. It was crazy, like literally 45 minutes after every practice. But these stories that he told keep coming back to my mind now as a grown-up mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Um, but he told a story. He was They were playing in a high school football game, and they got on the bus after the game losing like six to nothing or something. Uh, and being cheated, just being cheated as a team by the officials. They were in a rival town. I think it was, I could be quoting the story wrong, but I think it was still during segregation, white school versus black school. He went to the black school. They were playing in the white neighborhood, playing the white school. And um, yeah, just being referees calling back six touchdowns and them getting on the bus and complaining. The circumstance, they're giving into it. They're angry. They're fired up. And their coach got on the bus and just said something profound. Like, he said, I don't want to hear it. They call back six, score seven. They they, they call back eight, score nine. They call back 12, score 13. You control what you can control. Mm -hmm. We lost. Don't go blaming anybody else. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. And our college football team just kind of adopted this philosophy of put the ball down. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can't control. It doesn't matter where it is. Like so, coach would say this all the time, like in the parking lot on the tar- on the tarmac. And he said this like there was a chemical spill. We're outside playing, practicing in a chemical spill, and he's like, "Put the ball down." And I'm like, "Well, coach, they, sometimes that philosophy could be foolish, but I appreciate it and still remember it today." But yeah, fighting through control. And I think about football coaches spend a lot of time arguing with officials. We talked about that in the four channels of blessing or four avenues of mission. Um, We spend a lot of time arguing about circumstances that we can't control. And Mm -hmm. 
And what would it look like if we took that time and reinvested it in helping our guys get through that? Or if we were a team captain, helping your teammates get over that hump of being a victim of trying to control circumstances and just being free to control what you can control, which is your attitude and your effort. Yep. And moving on to the next play. We could talk about repentance is like flush, flushing it. Like what is repentance? Admit it, fix it, don't repeat it. Mm-hmm. So just flushing the last play, flush it. Okay. You don't know what mistakes happen. Turnovers happen. Bad calls happen. Release that to the Lord, release the outcome to the Lord. And you just give your best effort right now. You worship the Lord right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that reminds me of um, a lot of times we try and control the wrong things. When you talk about Nick controlling what you can control, God will do what we can't do. He will do his part, but he won't do our part. And so many times we don't want to do our part, but we want to try and control and do God's part. And um, God has not called us to do or, or to accomplish something. He's called us to be faithful to him. And he's going to do, if we are faithful to him, what we cannot. So that that's what I was thinking about as you were sharing that, Nick. And this this again, this all ties back to the idea that the God who made you and designed you knows what's best for you and he's calling you to be faithful to him Amen. and he is going to do you stay faithful to him you dig in his word you compete and you live in a way that is according to the word of god by the power of god mm. and for the glory of god that is our job he is the sovereign god who will take care of everything else so we just need to play our role and our part but it comes from understanding again that we have to come to a point where we realize, Zach, you shared, you came to a point that week at camp that you could not do it on your own. I've been in that case many times where, you know, you're leading ministries and then you aren't plugged into the Lord and you're like, wow, I really can't do ministry on my own. It really is God. It really is the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that is the realization we need to come to in order to give up control. Yeah. was you're saying that, I think of a frostyism. Frosty said this a lot. You can't always be your best and you can't always beat the best, but what you can do is give it your best shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's a really profound. I never had an opportunity to meet Frosty. I just have seen him uh, lived out through my relationship with, with Coach Kess and stories I've heard and articles I've read in his book, making you, making the big time where you're at. So I feel like I know him without ever have met him, without ever meeting him. But he has this way of saying simple things like that. But And that has profound meaning. You can't always be your best. There's going to be limitations. Like you're not going to be 100% every day. Maybe you didn't fuel your body right. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're dealing with some emotional stuff that like your, your lid is lower than it normally is. Like you can't always be your best self. Doesn't mean you don't you stop trying, but you can't always be your best. And sometimes there's gonna be people that are better than you. Like especially to tie this into like winning. There's gonna be days where you're gonna lose. Yeah. I was listening to the the head coach of UVA baseball talking about why there's a mass exodus from baseball at 13, 14 years old, 12 to 14 years old, because they play on a bigger field. And it's like if you can't deal with failure. If you can't handle and you want to control failure when you move to a bigger field with stronger kids and puberty hits and all this stuff, baseball is designed to fail. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the pursuit is for perfection, but it's like Hall of Famers hit 333. 
<laughs> they strike out. They like they get out six out of ten times, and or six well six and a half times out of out of ten. Like they only two out of three. Yeah, thanks, Seth. <laughs> yeah, two out of three times. Yeah, two out of three times they're failing. It's only one out of three that they're succeeding. That's insane. But we got to release that. You got to release that control. Yeah, you can't always be the best. You can't always beat the best. But what you can do is give it your best shot and focusing on the right thing, which is what you said. Give it your best shot at living two by four. Give it the best shot of coaching according to God's word, by God's power, for his glory, for leading your team, by for competing two by four. That's what we can do. Um, yeah, I think like one of the things uh, that we talk about a lot and I know like Nick talked about in football, it's really easy because you get in a huddle and you get to tell every player what they do or should be doing that play. And I know, uh, Seth, we talked about this a little bit in preparation for this, but in soccer and lacrosse and the sports that we play, it's a little different where um, you're really putting your trust in uh, the kids that are on the field. But one of the things uh, that I get to experience in lacrosse, I play defense. Uh, I just got moved back to close defense through a weird series of events on my team. But one of the things that we are taught so much is just listen to your goalie blindly. Listen Mm. to your goalie, listen to your goalie, whatever he says, do it immediately. And I know like I had a problem with this coming out of high school and we're seeing this now with a couple freshmen coming in on the team. It's just like I didn't have a goalie who knew how to play defense. I, I had a goalie who was incredible at saving shots, but didn't know when to check, didn't know uh, when to push or when to slide. So I had a real problem with just giving up like mm-hmm. that control. It kind of plays into this aspect where Noah, my goalie, and we've talked about him before. Shout the out, best. Shout out to Noah Given. He can see the entire play of what's happening not only with just me and the offensive guy that I'm playing, but also behind him and the other six guys on the field. And so he has this incredible vantage point where he gets to see all of it and he can just tell me what to do where I'm only looking at one guy. And so it really just plays into this aspect of trust versus control. I can choose to control what I do versus that one guy and I might get a good hit, but ever the other five mm-hmm. guys on the field might be out of position yeah and so that that is immediately going to lead into scoring and so it really just shows trust versus control in our relationship with god and like we have this very tiny minuscule viewpoint of our lives and just what we're going through and god has this vast knowledge of everything that he's created in the universe and an intimate knowledge of your personal story and your experiences and what you're going through. And if we would choose to just give up that control and listen to him, it's going to work out so much better. Amen. I love the point that you made that freshman on a team or in the past at the lower level, goalies were not trustworthy to be able to trust when they give direction. That's why you struggle with that, with giving up that control. And it just makes me think about how I understand why people try and take control because if you look to the things of this world, even good things like parents, teachers, coaches, and pastors, we are all fallen. We are not worthy of trust. Just like Mm -hmm. a goalie at a lower level, I mean, if they don't know the game very well, is not worthy of trust. And that's why they're not given that trust. But here's why, like, it's even more important is because Jesus Christ 
is trustworthy. And Amen. we have trouble trusting him at times because we are used to dealing with earthly and fallen foundations. And the foundation of Jesus Christ is unshakable. And it's never going to end. It's always going to be there. So he is a person that is worthy of trust and giving up our control to and surrendering our control to. And just one final verse to close out. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That verse just outlines the whole idea of trust versus control. We, rather than trying to control our own lives, Christ has called us to surrender ourselves to him and to trust him because he is trustworthy. So I think that wraps up most of our conversation today. Man, that was a quick 35 minutes there for us. That flew by. So next episode, we move on and we are talking about comfort, which should be another, I mean, I know all of these have been applicable, but I think comfort is even more applicable to a lot of us. So I can't wait to get into that conversation. Thank you guys for listening. As always, if you have comment, question, want to share anything with us, you can email. There's my email down in the show notes. You can contact us if you'd like to share anything with us, how you're applying this in in your context or anything you want to add to the conversation. Please, please do that. So we'll see you guys next week.